they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, April the 1st, the first day of April. Do you realize that Easter is just 17 days away? Well, April 17th is Easter. April 15th is Good Friday. Remember, our Good Friday is a day of solemn. It's a solemn holy day in the church where we commemorate the Lord's passion. And so we don't pursue worldly things and we don't put on parties and we don't um, entertain ourselves. We look to meditate on the passion of the Lord and to enter into that mystery of his passion, death, and resurrection. So um, it's coming up fast, everybody. Lent has got two more weeks here, and we're, wow. Uh, so it's, it's noon on Friday, and we'll go ahead and pray the Angelus in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tuo, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And just a reminder, the first Fridays of every month, the Lord has asked us to make reparation to his most sacred heart. He, he appeared to, blessed, to St. Margaret Mary, and he said, he said to her, Behold this heart which has so loved mankind and has been loved so little in return. Let us return love for love. Let us love Jesus and thank him and be grateful to him for all that he has done for us. And today's topic, today we want to talk about deliver us from evil. And who is it that delivers us from evil and how and what is the evil that we are delivered from? So in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, in number 50, chapter 2, God comes to meet man. By, nat by natural reason, man can know with certainty on the basis of his works, God. We can know God by the light of our natural reason on the basis of his works without faith, okay? But there is another order of knowledge which man cannot possibly arrive at but by his own powers, the order of divine revelation. So in order for us to know God in himself, 
God has to reveal himself. All right. And, and through an utterly free decision, God revealed himself and has revealed himself and given himself to man. This he does by revealing the mystery, his plan of loving goodness formed from all eternity in Christ for the benefit of all men. God has fully revealed this plan by sending us his beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So God reveals himself to us. Remember, God made a perfect paradise. There was no evil and, and there was no sin. There was nothing ugly. There was no decay. There was no disorder. And first of all, the, the, the Satan, the Lucifer, the highest of the angels and about a third of the angels rebelled against God. So that was a sin, and they, they brought evil upon themselves. They, evil is the rejection of goodness, and they rejected God. And then when God made man, and God made man in the state of grace. Adam and Eve were made in the state of grace. And this, e, Satan came, and he tempted them. He tempted them to believe that God was keeping things from them that he shouldn't be keeping from them. And they, they let their trust in God die in their heart, and they sinned. And they brought, you know, as, and I've said this before, when God made man, he gave us gifts that were above and beyond our nature, not to be sick, not to die, infused knowledge, the gift of integrity, where our, our, all the faculties of our body were perfectly subject to our intellect and our will, our intellect clearly saw that God was the true good for which we were made. And our will clearly and easily chose that. And all the faculties of our body easily followed. Those were gifts above and beyond our nature. They weren't owed to us. They were gifts, free gifts given by God. And we lost them. We lost them when Adam sinned. And so, but Jesus comes, the second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes man. He comes to save us. So God reveals his plan of loving goodness. God revealed his plan in Genesis you know, 3.15. I will put enmity between the woman, is it 3.15, 3.16? Between your, your seed and her seed, it will crush your head while you strike at its heel. He promised that he would not abandon Adam and Eve to their sinful and evil way. He would bring about salvation and he would bring about reconciliation with himself. God made us for himself. He made us to be in union with himself. And he desires that so much that even when we sinned, he did not abandon us, but again and again taught us to hope for salvation through the prophets. Remember? 51. It pleased God in his goodness and wisdom to reveal himself and to make known the mystery of his will. His will was that men should have access to the Father through Christ, the Word made flesh in the Holy Spirit, and thus become sharers in the divine nature. See Ephesians 1, 9, 2, 18, and 2 Peter 1, 4. We were to be made sharers of the divine nature. And we would have access to the Father through Christ. 52. God who dwells in inapproachable light wants to communicate his own divine life to men to the men he freely created in order to adopt them as his sons in his only begotten son. Look at 1 Timothy 6.16 and compare it with Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. By revealing himself, God wishes to make them capable of responding to him and of knowing him and of loving him far beyond their own natural capacity. 
A priest put it this way one time. What if someone came to you and said, scale this mountain? And you're like, I'm not a mountain climber and I don't have the equipment and I don't have a guide. And the person says to you, well, look, I'll give you the equipment and I'll give you the guide. All you have to do is the hard work. You have to do the hard work of going up the mountain, but I'll give you everything else you need. And that's what our, our faith life is like. That's what, you know, hoping in God. Yes, Lord, you're calling me to union with yourself. You're calling me to live a life free of sin in this world. You're calling me to help build your kingdom on, on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we pray in the Our Father. Why? Because we're supposed to be helping build it. And so, but are we willing to do the hard work? Are we willing to go through the arduous task of disciplining ourselves and bringing our body back into subjection to our intellect and, and training our intellect to see that God is the only true good? You see, because of original sin, our intellect is darkened and our will is weakened. So we see all the good things that God has made and we get confused and we think that those things are God. And how many people, ancient people and people today, worship created things or wish, worship other people? And no, we're all just creatures and, and, and it's gone so badly. Some people even worship the enemy. They worship the fallen angels and that's really bad because <laughs> they're just plain evil. And so we're made for goodness. We're made for union with God and God supplies everything we need for us to be able to choose him, to know him, to love him and to choose him and to serve him on this earth so we can be happy with him in heaven. But we have to go through the arduous task of disciplining ourselves, of dying to our own perfect paradise, of dying to our own preconceived notions of what it means to be a saint or to live in union with God. We have to go by God's way, right? And his way is to renounce sin and to live in his, and not only renounce sin, but to do our duty and to renounce those things that aren't our duty, even if they're good works. You see, when the devil can't get good people to sin, he tempts them to do good things that are not their duty and distracts them from doing their duty. God desires that we do our duty. So he dwells in inapproachable light. But, and again, you know, look at 1 Timothy 6.16 and Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. But he has revealed himself to us so that he drew close to us because we could not approach him. 53, the divine plan of revelation is realized simultaneously by deeds and words which are intrinsically bound up with each other and shed light on each other. It involves a specific divine pedagogy. God communicates himself to man gradually. He prepares him to welcome by stages the supernatural revelation that is, the that is to culminate in the person and the mission of the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. The second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes incarnate. He takes on a human nature. His name is Jesus Christ. And gradually God prepares his people to be able to accept this revelation. See, once we sinned, we had a darkened intellect, a weakened will, we're turned away from God. And so God is going to stoop down to us. He's not going to wait till we come to him. He's going to come down to us. And he does come down to us. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, April the 1st, 2022, the first Friday of the month. We honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus in a special way. Thank you to our benefactors, those who help us through financial, finances or through donations, volunteering, and prayers. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, April the 1st, first Friday of the month where we honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And we're talking about deliver us from evil. So we're looking at this and uh, the evil, we've, we've already seen a little bit of that, was the sin. When, when man turned away from God, God didn't make anything evil and he didn't make sin. Um, he made everything he made was good. But to turn away from goodness is evil. To reject goodness is evil. And that's what man did, tempted by the fallen angels, the devils, who had done that first. They said, we don't like your plan, God. We're not going to go along with it. And so they rejected him. In so doing, now they fully knew that they could never have any kind of happiness, any kind of peace or tranquility or happiness at all if they did this. They fully knew that. But to them, to serve was such an um, odious <laughs> thing God was asking of them. How could you ask us to serve a creature that's less than ourselves? I mean, that, that's pride, isn't it? Satan's pride. Lucifer's pride. So... Um, we're, we were talking about the fact that God reveals himself gradually. Okay, gradually he revealed himself to mankind to get us. Once we had sinned, we became, you know, enemies and estranged from God. So we had to get to re we had to get reacquainted with him. And it took thousands of years, didn't it? From Adam's sin until the birth of Christ, it took thousands of years to God to get his people ready for the coming of his son. St. Irenaeus of Lyons repeatedly speaks of this divine pedagogy, using the image of God and man becoming accustomed to one another. The word of God dwelt in man and became the son of man in order to accustom man to perceive God and to accustom God to dwell in man according to the Father's pleasure. That's from St. Irenaeus' Against Heresies. So there's the stages of revelation. You had in the beginning, God makes himself known, right? Number 54, God who creates and conserves all things by his word provides man with constant evidence of himself in created realities. And furthermore, wishing to open up the way of heavenly salvation, he manifests himself to our first parents from the very beginning. And he invited them to intimate communion with himself and clothed them with resplendent grace and justice. He created them in the state of grace. And you can look at uh, your scripture passages for that, John 1, 3, and Romans 1, 19 and 20. And of course, you can also read Genesis in the account of God creating man. Let us make man in our own image. So God made man. In the divine image, he made him. Male and female, he created them. He wants us to have communion with him. That's good. Rejection of that is evil. This revelation would not be broken off by our first parent's sin. Ah, sin. What is God come? What is this evil? Deliver us from evil. After the fall, God buoyed man up with the hope of salvation by promising redemption. I'm not going to abandon you. And he has never ceased to show his solicitude for the human race, for he wishes to give eternal life to those who seek salvation by patience and well-doing. Look at Genesis 3:15 and Romans 2, 6 and 7. Even when man disobeyed you and lost your friendship, you did not abandon him to the power of death, but again and again you offered a covenant to man. That's from the Roman Missal, Eucharistic Prayer number four. But it, it, it reflects the scriptural 
reality that God promised a redeemer at the moment of sin. He promised a redeemer. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to give it up. I, I want you as my children. So he made a covenant with Noah. Okay. Remember mankind had become so bad that God said, done. I'm done with it. I'm going to destroy the earth. And you can look at um, Genesis 10, 5. Okay. And you had, you know, remember the world, you know, so you had, so you had this, that men had become so evil that God is fed up. He says, I'm done. I'm going to destroy them all. And I believe Noah is actually in Genesis six. Um, but, um, Noah is there and he's, he's righteous. And so God says, okay, Noah, I need you to build an ark because, um, yeah, the warning of the flood and the preparation for the flood is Genesis chapter six. And God destroys the whole world with a flood other than Noah and his sons and the animals that are on the ark and his sons is, is Noah's wife and his son's wives. And so the whole mankind is wiped out. God is like, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm wiping them out. And yet he saves these eight people to begin again. All right. So then you have after that, okay, the men begin to multiply on the earth again. And then what happens? Well, you have the Tower of Babel. Well, what's the tower? What is she talking about? Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, four through six, where man decides he's going to build a tower to heaven so that he can get to heaven on his own power and he won't need God. All of mankind spoke the same language. And so now they begin to build this tower to heaven. So God comes down and he confuses their language. Why? To humble their pride because pride keeps us from drawing close to God. Pride keeps us from admitting that we need God, that he is our creator. We are creatures, that we are dependent on him and that only he can bring us to salvation. You know, Adam and Eve, if they had gained paradise, it wouldn't have been because they merited it in the sense of doing something. God made them for it. He made them for union with himself. This was his desire. And he was going to give them all the graces they need. Just like that idea of scaling a high mountain. And you're not a mountain climber, but somebody comes along and says, look, I'll provide, I'll provide you with the, the materials you need. I'll provide you with the guide. But you have to do the hard work. You have to put in the labor. Okay. And so God continues to try to bring us back. And there's always this problem, right? But because of sin, both polytheism and idolatry of the nations and of its rulers constantly threaten this provisional economy with the perversion of paganism. And we can see this all through the world. So you have Romans 1, 18 through 25 that talks about this. You have this reality where, yeah, God reveals himself to us. And then it's like, well, you know, but can we just kind of do it maybe a little different and we want to adjust um, we want to adjust God's plan to, to our own likes and dislikes and our own preferences and our own comfort and our own ease. I don't want to have to work too hard. I don't want to uh, have to give up too much. I'd like to be able to hold on to this and that and the other thing. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What is the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. So anything that I put in front of God is a, is a form of idolatry. Any person that I put in front of God is a form of idolatry. We have to serve the Lord our God first, and he must be first in our lives. And then we choose him with all of our hearts, and he will help us in this. He provides the guide. By the way, at the side of everyone, God has provided a guardian angel, hasn't he? 
Jesus talked about that in the Gospels. He said, see that none of you despise one of these little ones, for their angel constantly beholds my heavenly Father's face. Everyone has a guardian angel, and that angel is there to help us and to guide us. And God gives us the equipment to make that, to scale that mountain of hope. You know, faith is about believing in God. Hope is about trusting God. Even in the midst of darkness and turmoil and what seems to be impossible situations. And it's so beautiful. God raises up saints in every day and age. He raises up saints. Was there ever anything in the beginning of, uh, well, let's see in the scriptures, is there anything that shows us that God has the power to go come down out of heaven or as it were, and to take a nation for himself out of another nation? Oh, well, what about the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt and God delivers them? They're being led in idolatry. They're being led away from God by being in Egypt. They're, they're falling into the worship of the false gods of Egypt. And he says, no, I'm done. I need my people to come out of Egypt. It's time for them to come out. And so he sends Moses to lead them out. But it is God who does the delivering. The Egyptians didn't want to let the Israelites go. They're their, the, the Israelites are their slaves. It's like, no, they're, they're doing all our work for us. We can't let these people go. Wait a minute. You know, and, and so... You know, they had tried to kill all the baby boys and they had done all kinds of things to try and reduce the Israelites, but they keep multiplying and growing. And so God finally takes Israel out of Egypt. And then when Pharaoh, in his arrogance, decides to pursue Egypt to the Red Sea, God parts the sea and leads Israel across on dry land. And Pharaoh and his chariots are drowned in the sea because they have the audacity. <laughs> God is fighting for them and they, they try and follow the Israelites on the dry land and they, they, their chariot wheels become clogged. And they, then the, when the Israelites have passed over, God puts the sea back to its regular course and the, the, the Pharaoh and his army are drowned. You remember the story. And this isn't a story like a made up story fiction. Scripture is what is revealed to us. It's God's revelation. And the Holy Spirit is the primary author of scripture. So what's written in scripture is real. There are no historical errors. There are no scientific errors. There are no errors in scripture. Now, it's not a history book. It's not a science book. But it is a book that is written to tell us how God works with his people. And how many people, how many little people has God delivered from peril? Even when they sinned, look at David, David sinned. And that sin, his sin led to rebellion within his own house. So that Absalom tries to take the kingdom and David has to flee. And he leaves Jerusalem in order that Absalom won't destroy Jerusalem and kill all the people in it. So he leaves, but Absalom dies. And when Absalom dies, King David comes back. And, and then, but before that, Saul, before David had sinned, Saul pursues David out of jealousy. He knows that David's going to be the king and he wants to kill him because, but the interesting thing is Saul knows the reason God rejected Saul is because Saul sinned against God. Now remember, this is the evil God is trying to deliver us from. He delivers us from the evil of sin. Jesus Christ didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. Suffering entered in with original sin as an intrusion, as something God didn't make. 
Death entered in as an intrusion, but it's become redemptive. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, the eternal Word of God, took human flesh, and in his human flesh, he really suffered. It's not make-believe. It's not a novel. It's not a fantasy. It's not a myth. It's bedrock reality. And so are, the, so are the truths that are told to us in the scriptures in the Old Testament. The story of Noah and the ark, the story of Jonah and the whale, the story of the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And God works among his people. And he delivers us from evil. First of all, from the evil of sin. That's the greatest evil. If you get to the book of Maccabees, remember, there were people who died as martyrs for the faith. They believed in God and they wouldn't follow the, the Greek ways and they wouldn't you know, violate the, the law of God in order to save their lives. And they died as martyrs. But is that such a horrible thing? Is that evil? No, that's good. It's glorious. And on the other side of this break, we want to talk about some other glorious martyrs of our modern times who have trusted God in the midst of great confusion and suffering, but have been victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil, and gained heaven. Don't go away. We'll be back with more. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And um, we're talking about deliver us from evil. And so, you know, does God have the power to deliver us from the evils of our times? Do we believe? Do we hope? Do we hope that God in his mercy is still looking upon us with love? Well, I hope so. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. Remember when Peter was arrested and they were going to bring him to trial. Herod had him imprisoned and, you know, Herod had put James to death. And this pleased the Jews. And so Herod had Peter arrested and they were waiting for, you know, the feast to pass. And then, but P Peter was in prison. He was uh, two sets of guards and he was chained hands and feet, right? And in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord comes into the prison and he taps Peter on the shoulder and he wakes him up and the chains fall off. And then Peter's just standing there dumbfounded. And he says, okay, Peter, put on your cloak and your sandals. And then, and Peter does, and he's still looking at him like, you know, he's, he, thinks he's dreaming. Uh, Peter, follow me. And so he follows the angel and the angel, the, the doors of the prison open of themselves, the gates open, they get out into the street. And until that time, he still thinks he's just seeing a vision. He doesn't think this is real. And he gets out into the streets of Jerusalem and suddenly the angel disappears and it's like, oh, oh. So then Peter goes to the house. Okay. So the Lord had delivered Peter. Herod was going to put him to death and the Lord delivered him. What about in our modern times? Now, God doesn't always remember. Peter eventually would be martyred, but he was to die in Rome. And it wouldn't be for a while yet. It wasn't his time. There was a young man, Franz Jagenstadter. He was from Austria. And he was a farmer in Austria, up in the hills in Austria. And in his village, when Hitler annexed Austria, he was the only man in his village who said, no, this isn't right. We don't want to be annexed to Germany at this time he wouldn't vote for Hitler. He wouldn't approve Hitler. He didn't approve of what the Nazis were doing. And um, eventually what happened was he got a notice that he was supposed to report for military service. And he said, I will not swore, swear an oath of allegiance to Hitler. 
And and I will not, and even though all of the bishops of Germany and Austria apparently had written a letter that was written and read in all the parishes that it was okay for them to support, you know, Hitler coming to power and to uh, support what Hitler was doing and blah, blah, blah. They didn't understand the evil that Hitler was about. But Franz had looked into what the Nazi, the National Socialist Party was doing, the Nazis, and he realized that this is evil. First of all, they're, they're, they're killing the little babies. They're, they're, di- they're killing people who are, are deformed or, or uh, mentally retarded. They're killing the old and the sick. This is, this is just evil. This is, I can't collaborate with this in any manner, shape, or form. And so, you know, they, Germany wants to conscript him into the military service. And he says, well, according to the articles I read, anyways, I haven't read his whole story. And there is a movie out that was made by him. It's called um, The Hidden Life, I believe. Was it The Hidden Life? And it, it was made recently, and um, but it's it's it, and it's based on the letters that Franz and his wife wrote back and forth while Franz was in prison under the Germans. But but you know they always take a little poetic license with these movies, so <laughs> you got to go back and read the actual documents yourself. But Franz was um, he consulted with three priests and a bishop, and his position was I cannot serve. Hitler's army. I cannot serve in the army as a combatant because they're killing innocent people. And what if they ordered me to kill someone who's innocent? I'm not, no, I'm not going to do this. This is evil and I'm not going to collaborate in this evil. And, and the priests and the bishop told him, no, it's okay. You can go ahead and do this. But he answered to his, his conscience. And remember, this is, it's interesting because we live in a time now where a lot of, you know, priests and bishops have said it's okay to do certain things. But after prayer and discernment, if we've discerned that collaborating with certain things that are going on in our society is evil, we have to answer to God for our conscience, not for the advice that our priest or our bishop gave us. And Franz did this. He stuck, he was true to his conscience. And because he was true to his conscience, he, um, he was imprisoned. Now, in this instance, God didn't deliver him from prison. Not on this earth. He delivered him another way. He delivered him from prison by allowing him to die a martyr and go straight to heaven. And um, you know, it's I, I've been reading about that last week and thinking about it and. It's something we've lost. We've lost touch with. The early Christians lived with great joy, even though they were living under persecution. They were living under persecution. And they lived with this tremendous joy. Joy in knowing that they were doing what was right before God. So we need to ask the Lord for this grace, you know, and and, and granted, you know, it's, do we have the courage and how many martyrs of the 20th century, you know, they went to their death because they stood against something that was evil. They stood for what was good and they proclaimed what was good and they wouldn't compromise with the world, the flesh and the devil. He said, no, I will serve Christ and I will be faithful to 
my conscience, my well-formed conscience. And we have to, we, we have to school our conscience. We have to school our mind into, as to what is right. Because of original sin, it's real easy for us to get confused, right? Be- and, and, and fall into idolatry or some kind of pantheism or, oh, you know, but God is so good and he's so loving. He certainly wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, if he wouldn't send anybody to hell, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why would he go through, not just die on the cross, look at his passion. Meditate. This is a real good time of the year to really meditate on the passion of Christ. Really, really meditate on the passion of Christ. If there wasn't a hell, why would he go through all of that suffering? So the cross is at once, as one priest put it, is at once the greatest proof that there is a hell because there's something very real and very terrible from which he's trying to deliver us. But at the same time, it's the greatest manifestation of heaven. Deliver us from evil. What is the evil he's trying to deliver us from? He's trying to deliver us from the power of the evil one, the enemy, who wants to take us to hell for all eternity. Satan, who rebelled against God, Lucifer, who rebelled against God, wants us in hell with him for all eternity. He's miserable. He's hateful. There's nothing but hatred and misery in hell. And you know what? He wants to take everyone there because he hates God and man is made in God's image and he wants to destroy the image of God in man. We are loved. We are precious and dear. We're worth more than the injustices we have suffered. We're worth more than the evils people have committed against us. You know, sometimes when people do things against us that hurt us, we, we fester it, we, 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 we nurse that wound and we keep digging it open and we're giving the person who did something bad to us control over our lives. And we're worth more than that. Don't give someone who's hurt you in the past control over your life. Give your life to Jesus. Jesus wants to free you from all of that, from that evil of, of nurturing the grudge and nurturing the resentment and nurturing the bitterness and even nurturing the thought that, look, I'm the center of the universe, me, myself, and I, and the world ought to be serving me, and everybody ought to be concerned about me, and nobody knows what I'm suffering, and nobody knows how much it is I have to go through, and nobody understands me. Well, honey, you're meditating on yourself. You can't get yourself to heaven by looking at yourself. Take your eyes off yourself and look at Jesus. We all, And this is the hard work, scaling the height of hope, the hard work, that arduous task that we have. It's this task that we have of getting out of the way of God's work, of letting God work in and through us. And this is, read the scriptures. Read the stories of the saints. Blessed John, Franz, Franz, and his name is Franz. If you type in Franz on your phone, it turns it to Frank. <laughs> I tried to send his name to a couple people, and I typed Franz Jagenstadter, and I didn't read the text before I sent it, so then I looked at it later, and it's Frank. And I'm like, no, his name is Franz. Now, granted, in English translation, it's Frank. But if you look him up on the internet, it's Franz, F-R-A-N-Z. Okay, it's, a, it's an Austrian name. It's not an American name. You know, blessed John Froggen's daughter, play for us. And, and even 
St. Edith Stein, pray for us. And St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. And how many people died? Martyrs in the 20th century, not only at the hands of the Nazis, far more died at the hands of the communists in Russia. There were way more martyrs and more people killed by the, by the communists in Russia than by the Nazis in Germany. So, you know, but, but in the midst of this confusion, in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of the turmoils of life, God is the ray of hope. Our hope for heaven is the hope we're looking for. Heaven is where there will be no more suffering and no more pain and no more death and no more separation. Only in heaven. All of us are going to die. We don't have to be afraid of death. You know, it's interesting. God have mercy on his soul. Dr. Tony Fauci, he was telling everybody, oh, you know, you know, you can't, you can't depend on natural immunity, at least in 2000, what, 20 and 21. You know, you, you have to get this shot and whatever. Well, there's an interview of him that took place years ago. And, and the interviewer says, well, this woman has had the flu for two weeks. Should she get the flu shot? And Dr. Tony Fauci said, absolutely not. If she's had the flu for two weeks, if she really has the flu, she's immune. There's no point in her getting a shot. She's already immune. This is Dr. Tony Fauci. Look it up online. I don't know exactly the date of it, but some people are sending it around. And, and the, the reality is, is, yeah, mankind, men, you know, we lie. We, you know, what's convenient for us. We change our tune. But God doesn't change. God's just saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. Trust me. Look at the cross. Know that Jesus would not have done that if he didn't love us very much. We'll be back with more on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends and family. And thanks to all of our supporters. We really appreciate it. God bless you. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So this first Friday of the month of April, April 1st, uh, we honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus, especially on the first Fridays of the month. And we're talking about deliver us from evil. And God delivers us from evil. God is our deliverer. And he delivers us from evil. The greatest evil is sin. And sin leads to an eternal evil, the eternal death, at least eternal death of, of hell, if we don't repent of it. So we have to repent of our sins. And again, we, we talked about the cross in the previous session section of this program. We talked about the cross as the greatest proof that there is a hell. Because if there weren't a hell, why would God, Jesus, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, have become man and gone through all of that suffering? If there wasn't something very real and very terrible from which he was trying to deliver us. At the same time, it's the greatest manifestation of heaven. See what love the Father has for us. And letting us be called children of God. He loved mankind so much that he sent his only son that all who believe in him might have eternal life. So we are delivered from evil through the sufferings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it's not automatic. We have to participate. We have to accept and we have to give up our sins. We can't go on sinning. It's not a matter of, you know, um, well, you know, God doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God if we sin. He just looks the other way. Really? What did Jesus say to people in the gospel? You know, when he healed them, go and sin no more. Repent. What was the first words of the gospel when he, when he 
preaches the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We have to give up our sins. We give up our sins because sin darkens the intellect. It weakens the will. And it destroys the image of God in us. So darkening the intellect, that means it makes us stupid. But not stupid in a, I mean, very intelligent people are great sinners sometimes. But it makes us stupid in the ways of God. It makes us not being able to see that the true good we were made to choose is God. God made us in his image to be in union with him. And every time we sin, that becomes less and less apparent to us. It weakens our will. It makes us weak. It weakens our will. The, every time we sin, we have, it's easier to consider, commit the next sin. And it's interesting, you know, I remember in grammar school, you know, no number of venial sins could ever equal a mortal sin, we were taught. And that's true. It's absolutely true. But the difficulty is, if you don't repent of venial sins, if you don't fight against them, if you deliberately commit venial sins and don't repent of them, it becomes easier and easier. You get closer and closer and closer to the point where it's going to be real easy for you to fall into mortal sin. And mortal sin is exactly that. It's called that because it's deadly. And yes, there is a distinction about sins in the, in the, in the Bible. Look at the letter of John. And he says, you know, he tells you, if you see your brother sinning, pray for him. Um, and he says, that is, if his sin is not deadly. Now, there is a sin that is deadly. And I don't tell you to pray for that. So there's deadly sin. What does deadly mean? Mortal. It can kill you. It kills the life of God in your soul. Now, you can be forgiven of that. Jesus said, you know, every sin will be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And the sins against the Holy Spirit are that, that um, <laughs> presumption, final impenitence, um, uh, attributing <laughs> to the devil the good that God is doing. That was the context in which that teaching was given. So there are sins against the, the Holy Spirit. Sin against the known truth, the sin of despair, um, the final impenitence. We need to repent of our sins and pray to God for the grace to do that. This is the evil that he wants to deliver us from. But in that, in that Our Father prayer, when we pray, deliver us from evil, that the word is such that it, it's not a, um, just some kind of um, a concept, okay? It's... It, it, the Greek word used means the evil one. Deliver us from the power of the devil. And remember, the devil gets power over us through our sinfulness. So Jesus came to deliver us from sin. We have to give up our sins. This is what we're called to do is to give up our sins, to live a life of grace, to live, to be the saints of God here on earth. We're all called to be saints, by the way. All of us are called to be saints. All of us are called to live in union with God. Now, we may not all be blood martyrs, but we're all called to live virtue to a heroic degree with the help of God's grace, moment by moment, day by day, in the doing of our duties of our state in life. And sometimes the most heroic thing to do in this life is to do our duty. Somebody calls you and they say, look, I need help. I need, this is all going wrong and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, um, you know, right now um, I have to take care of my family. That's my duty, but I will offer that for you and I will pray for you that God will send you the help that you need because I am not capable at this moment without neglecting my duty to give you the help you need. 
And sometimes it's looking at our confused world and saying, yeah, there's a lot of good to be done out there outside my family. And my family life is very chaotic and it would feel so much better. It would feel so much better if I just went out there and served all these other people who are going to be grateful and going to treat me right and be kind to me instead of just gratefully, quietly saying, Jesus, I will clean my house today. I will make meals for my family today. I will serve my family today for love of you, for the conversion of sinners and reparation for sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And yes, we, you know, I'm not making Mary a goddess. I'm not putting her on a pedestal. Mary is the son of God. She is the mother, the mother of the son of God. She is the one who brought the Redeemer into the world. That was God's choice. And God doesn't just use us and cast us aside. When you say that, anyone who says that is blaspheming against God. God is love. He is love. We're not an object to him. We're not objects to be used. We're persons to be loved, and God loves us. He loves us. And yet, you know, everybody has suffered some kind of injustice in this world. And some people have suffered horrible injustice against themselves. And it, it's difficult because it, it creates depression and it creates confusion and it creates a sense within us that, well, if this happened to me, I must be no good. I must not, not be worth anything. That's not true. Okay. Our feelings don't always authentically represent reality. And especially when you've suffered trauma, when you feel like you're worthless, look at the cross. Remember, Jesus died for you. And you can say, Jesus, you died for me. This was personal. You knew me by name and you died for me. I'm worth more than the injustice that was committed against me. You can deliver me from the evil of my own sin and from the effects of the sin that was committed against me. You can help me, Lord, and I call on you to help me. And I ask you to give your angel, your, your, the guarding angel that you gave me, the strength of decisive help to help me to recognize my goodness and my worth before you. And in so doing, to recognize the goodness and the worth of the people around me so that I will treat myself and others with the love with which you love us. And we can beg God. The saints have taught us, you know, St. Teresa of Lisieux, my God, lend me your love with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserve. Jesus, lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor, that I may love my neighbor as you commanded. St. Paul would write in his letters, it is I who live, now not I, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus, live in me. Jesus, live in me. Jesus, live in me. Live in me and shine through me. Shine the light of your presence to others. Let your love be so strong in me that it radiates to others. Perfect love within me by the power of your spirit. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Don't listen to the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Don't listen to the lies of your feeling, and especially all of those of us who have suffered trauma. Don't listen to the lies that our feelings tell us. We are worth the blood 
of the only Son of God. God himself became man. And as man, he shed every drop of his blood for us, for each one of us individually. He can call us by name. So he didn't come to deliver us from confusion necessarily or troubling times or sickness. But he came to fill all of this with his presence and to fill us with his presence. And he wants us to be living tabernacles of his presence. And he wants to live in us. And through us, he wants to bring his love to the world and his grace and his mercy and his goodness to the world. We are loved by God. God is love. You are made in God's image. You are beautiful and good. You are precious and dear. You are worth so much that the Son of God became man and died on the cross for you as if you were the only one that needed to be saved. Only God can do that. But he really did that. And he came us to, to deliver us from the power of our enemy. Remember, the devil is not our friend. He's our enemy. He hates God, and because of his hatred for God, he hates mankind because mankind is made in God's image. So he tries to destroy that image. We're living in confusing times, but God is not confusion. We live in suffering, but God doesn't cause suffering. But he can bring us to perfection through it. He can free us from attachment to ourself, our own will, and to our sins through our sufferings. We need to put our trust in God. We need to beg him for his mercy and his goodness and his truth, that his light will shine on us and through us to those around us. God came to deliver us from evil, from the evil one, from the power of the devil, and he came to deliver us from sin. So go to confession. This is First Friday. It's a good day to go to confession. Our local parish, Sacred Heart in Covina, has confessions this evening from 7.15 until there's no one left to go to confession. So, hey, you know, all everybody in the San Gabriel Valley, you know, get on down. Come on down. Sacred Heart Church on Workman Avenue. Confessions tonight at 7.15. Or go to your local parish and honor God with your life by giving him thanks and praise, by praising him and blessing his holy name and giving glory to him. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for your support, all of you who support us in whatever way you support us. Thank you for the stations that pick up our signal. Share this with your friends. Let them know about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back again, please God, next week with more on Bible with the Barbers and hopefully we grow more deeply in love with God.